If you're a senior executive looking to transition to boards, check out our Fast Start Guide to Board Success. In this short guide, we'll answer all of your questions about landing a paid board role and we'll share some of the rookie errors executives make when trying to climb the board ladder. Jump on our website, boardcoachinginstitute.com.au or click on the link in the show notes to access your free copy today. If you're looking for board success, let us show you how. Welcome to Insider Insights, where you get to meet non-executive directors and go inside their boardroom. Today, we're revisiting an episode we recorded with Robin Buckham during the COVID lockdown. Her unique perspective of board life and hints and tips are just as valuable today to help you to succeed on boards. At the time of this recording, Robin was chair at Gippsland Port and on the boards at Southern Metropolitan Cemeteries Trust and the Australasian College of Sport and Exercise Physicians. She's since completed her tenure with the Australasian College of Sport and Exercise Physicians and has joined the boards at Rice Growers Australia and the Law Institute of Victoria. So join me now. And let's hear from our insider, Robin Buckham. Robin, thank you so much for joining us today. It's great to have you here. Thank you for having me, Sally. It's uh, it's exciting to be invited. It is. Now, that was a very busy introduction we had there. You're certainly on on a lot of boards and you've got a lot of of irons in the fire there, so to Mm. speak. One of the questions I want to ask you before we get going is to explain interim executive because that's not a common term that we hear in in business is it well it's becoming more common Sally I guess it was invented almost by accident when senior people would leave a role it takes a long time to find someone else for that role and so people started to look around and say well I know a bloke usually a bloke you know who could help who could fill in for you and now it's become a thing so There are several HR agencies that specialise in it. So what I've done is to be an interim commercial officer at a TAFE for ending up about six months. So you just move in, you do the role, you have no aspirations to be there permanently. It gives management a great opportunity to have another set of eyes on the strategy and the structure and so on. And you run that role for however long it takes them to find a new person. I guess six months is kind of typical, particularly recruiting from offshore, because it takes some time for the incumbent to get to Australia. Well, now it'd be impossible, but you know. Yeah. So that's the the essence of the role. And that's a great role, really, because that does fill a gap where in the past Mm. boards have had a tendency to really rush that engagement through and maybe not pick the right person. Mm. I think that's right. It also gives them the opportunity to make a change. So if they know an area needs a little bit of help, then to put a senior person in, perhaps more that they're more senior than they would normally be a person in that role. So someone with deep experience. Yeah. And maybe do a restructure, maybe rethink, shape the thing up, get it in order. Then when the incumbent comes, you're off and running. And I Brilliant. think that's an attractive idea. The other thing for me in the role is that there's no fear or favour in essence. I'm doing the role the way I see it needs doing with reference obviously to the board or, or to the CEO or whoever. And if they don't like the ideas, then we don't do that. So it's 
yes. it gives you that, I, I guess, freedom to shape things in the way that you might feel feel is best. So you obviously enjoy the strategy side of things, a high mm. overview, looking at where things mm. are going and how things fit. So tell me about your boards then, because you're on a lot of boards. You, you're mm. chair of one of those boards. How did you get your board break? Ah, interestingly, some years ago, I think it's probably an inordinately long number. Actually, it'll be 25 because it was when one of my children was born. I was running a steel mill for BHP in Wollongong and we, a customer of ours was the port because we put pipe on boats and sent it off. And they approached me about being on their board. It's a state government board. And I joined that board at that time. I was there for 15 years. I think the minister forgot me and I just stayed there. But during the course of that, I was able to join the REM committee I always avoided the Audit and Risk Committee. I'm not fond of Audit and Risk Committees. And then I read a, a great uh, biography by a woman who was a board director that said, you know, face your fears. So I joined the Audit and Risk Committee and then under the tutelage of a very good chair, he said, you're going to chair that committee now. So I did that. So it was a question of that board led me to understand how committees and boards work. So I guess as a board break, one of my pointers would be looking inside your own environment. So as a customer, I was invited onto that board. In other places, at universities, when I was being deputy vice chancellor or, or in other roles, I often got put on to say the university would have a private arm and I then joined those boards or boards of an academic organisation that organise conferences. So it was a case of looking in the environment around you and seeing what might be available um, yes. as a board for you to get experience. I guess there's two things about that. You learn how a board works, how, you know, what a chair does, how minutes work, all those things are valuable. But you also learn about the differences between boards, that you know, there are very, there's no one board culture far from it. So you get the idea that this board might work in this. Well, that's interesting. They don't. Yes. Mm -hmm. And this board does something different. So it gives you that breadth of experience. So when you take on more senior boards, you learn to assess culture a little better when you arrive, I think. Well, wow, that's a, a really interesting journey. I, I like how often one board leads to another or mm. one oh. engagement leads mm. to another. Because yeah. if I look at your board resume right now, you've got ports, cemeteries yeah. and surgeons you know yes, yes it's not obvious really is it no <coughs> no <laughs> but but i guess that's the surgeons came about because well i'm working for the surgeons as an interim exec but i actually got that role because i'd been invited onto the board of another medical college so right. i guess everything you know it, it has ever been thus, hasn't it, that, uh, you know, connections breed connections. So yes. that's how that works. So would that be your tip for finding board roles? It's all about who you know. Um, yeah, I did some reading about this. You have to be pretty resilient at this, you know. I think a lot of people think I'm going to finish work on Friday and start at boards on Monday, and it, it is in no way like that. First of all, if you do that, suddenly on Monday, you don't have all those connections that you had in your executive career. So it's really a launching, it's a Venn diagram. You can continue being an executive, but you've got to start being a board director 
before that process ends so you can leverage off those environments. A lot of people start out on their pro bono work, you know, being on boards, and I'm, I'm been associated with a couple of those. I think that's a really good way to start because, you know, people aren't always going to pay you up front, so get started there. But on the other hand, as you go along, I think you need to take them mindfully and sparingly because everybody's happy to have your work for no money. And if you don't watch it, you turn around and you're on six boards and you're getting paid for a small amount for one. Well, you know, probably wasn't what you meant. Um, yes. So I think pro bono boards are fantastic. They're often societies or sporting clubs or whatever. Good to take them, yes. But think about how they enrich your own career. Maybe the people on that board know people who, you know, and will speak positively. Oh, we had this woman at our football club. She was tremendous. You might like to look at her, but, you know, whatever. So I think thinking about them as a CV and experience building, not just, a, oh, well, they need a bit of help, you know, because many of the not-for-profit boards, of course, don't have many executive who know a lot so you end up getting drawn in to that executive yes. work if you're not yeah. too careful so it's just being a bit mindful about that I think the other thing I would say starting out is that you have to apply apply and apply you're joining you know people like your contacts women on boards board direction the AICD you must do the course da 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 and then you apply and you know applying is excruciating because you think I'm putting all this work in am I you know ever going to see any return but in this business you have to kiss a lot of frogs to find a prince I'm afraid <laughs> That's how it works. ain't that the truth <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the truth in life yeah really. <laughs> yeah that that whole volunteering when you start up that that mm. comes up quite a lot and we often oh. talk about having purpose and intention around our board careers and that really has to come into play with these voluntary roles as well because if you're not aligned to whatever that purpose is for that membership organization they're not going to get the best out of you you're not going to add value and you're not going to be someone that they refer to anybody else because you'll be the person in the corner slouched over exhausted doing all the work getting no thanks for it and pulling your hair out and that's not really the profile that you want to build is there no, not at all. I know when I saw the ad for the College of Sport and Exercise Physicians, I'm on the board. I'm a non-doctor, of course, on a board full of doctors. But their motto was exercise is medicine. And it's something that I believed in really strongly that, you know, people would say, oh, as you get older, it gets harder to exercise. Oh, I can't, it's too hard. I do, I've just seen over and over again how exercise improves both people's physical and mental health. And so because I believed in that, that was the trigger, I think, that got me to apply for that, for that board. So I agree so, absolutely yeah. with that about it being cause-related. Yeah. yeah, so it resonated for you. Mm, it, 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 it meant something to you. Okay. All right, so you're busy. You're on a lot of roles. Tell us about the challenges that you face as a non-executive director. Mm, okay. I've got five points on this I think I'd like to make, but I want to just start by saying that It's a complete change of lifestyle, this being... So at the moment, I'm doing a full-time again back at the surgeon... Well, it's sort of full-time, interim executive role. I'm on three boards. I've got a couple of not-for-profit things that I'm doing as well. So as an executive, I got up early. I 
got dressed into my clobber. I went into the city, you know, and I spent 12 hours there and I came home. This is completely different. And in fact, it's more a kind of COVID kind of life, really. You know, I'm, I'm reading a board paper for one thing. That'll take half an hour. I chop the carrots. I'm, you know, doing something else for someone else. I have a Zoom call for someone else. So it's a very varied life. Now, I find that very interesting, but I did trouble adjusting to it at the beginning. You know, who am I reading this strategy for? Is this the you know, cemeteries or is it the port? So I think it, you have to be mindful about how that changes your life because it won't be the way it was and you won't be a seriously important person at the top of a, you know, executive organisational tree. So you have yes. to adjust to that. But as an, a non-executive director, as a woman, I have to say one of the challenges, particularly if you're on a state government, you know, a large, fairly formal board, which is largely men, and my early ones were, there's always a challenge in being heard. Not literally, of course, I have a loud voice, but I mean in making a point and having it recognised. And there's that thing that many women go through where you make a point, you, you've thought about it, you looked for the opportunity to make it, you made your point. People went, oh, yes, lovely, and passed on. And then a man made yes. a similar point and they said, well, that's important. And you thought, I just said that. So I suppose that I found as a non-executive director in those kind of board environments, not, of course, in all of them, that that has been a challenge. I guess, too, this is not related to being a woman, another challenge is knowing when to hold and when to fold. So if there's something happening in the organisation that you're really not thinking is right or could be done better or perhaps we need more of a focus on marketing or whatever the issue is, how do I take that forward and then how do I prosecute my idea and then when do I work out that it's time to give it up because we're just not going to get anywhere on that and we'll hold it and we might come back to it later. Now, as an executive, you have to do that too. But as an executive, it's more free-flowing. You're in your executive team. You say, oh, guys, I think a board meeting is a more formal environment. Sometimes you might only meet four times a year. So it's working out exactly how to prosecute ideas. And that's slightly different from the way you do it, I think, as an executive. Another issue I found is that working as an executive, you have a fairly good idea about governance in organisations. You've almost always been involved in risk analysis. You have a strategy. You have a marketing plan. Particularly on, for example, family boards, you know, running family companies, and some of them can be quite large. Governance is not their first name. You know, so they may not have a strategy. They may not have a meeting agenda. So it's working out how your role then is to sort of educate around those matters, to take them on the board journey and show them the value of having those things and how it can enrich their lives rather than being, oh, God, she wants us to write a piece of paper I'm never going to read. You know, no, you know trying to reframe governance. and. And sometimes quite bright people, you know, I mean, I'm, I've been associated with several boards in the medical profession. They're not silly people, but they've had no experience about governance. And, and I found how helping myself to manage that process to be a challenge. The third point I make is around board culture. They're often really accounting-y based. 
So we look at the finances and then we look at, you know, and occasionally we look at the risk a bit. But getting them to talk about what they would see as softer issues like brand, I mean, I think it's a critical issue, but anyway, can take a little time. And I think, again, as a non-executive director, bringing those conversations is very important, but not always easy to do in particular boards. The fourth point I made is the distinction between being on management and being a board. It's really hard. If you've been one of those executives who says, look at the annual leave balances in that department, you know, down here, then it's very hard to, to get used to the fact that you're on a board and you have to get comfort, certainly, about the way the place is being run. That's what you're being paid to do. But not... I think that the expression is you imagine you're a dog and you've got your nose in but your paws out, you know. You're sniffing, you've got your radar on, but you're not in there unpicking everything. And working out that distinction, I think, can be quite hard. Lastly, I would say that the role of a chair of a board is significantly different to the role of a, a director. You know, you're there guiding the CEO. On the board, the state government board that I chair at the moment, I probably talk to the CEO, well, during the bushfires, because they're in Gippsland, every day, sometimes twice, but certainly quite frequently. So there's the sounding board role, there's the guiding role, there's a what about possibly role. I think they're quite different roles to just being a director. I'll stop now, Sally. Wow, that, that's amazing. There was Sorry, so much no, it was a great answer. I don't know where to start. I like the idea of hold and fold because yeah. you really got to pick your battles on the board, haven't yeah. you? There's so many things yeah. where you could make a difference. And when you think there's yeah. seven, eight, nine people on the board all have different experience and expertise and they all think that's yeah. the one thing that will really make the difference. You know, for you, it's brand. For me, it's strategy. Yeah. For Bob, it's finance, you know, and it's it's yeah. really difficult yeah. to know what are the battles worth fighting and, and what we can yeah. let go, you know. And, and that plays a critical role in culture, of course, because the standards we yes. walk past are the standards that we accept. So mm -hmm. if we let some yeah. of those things slide, what are we saying to the organisation? What message are we giving to people in the business? So that's a real critical balancing point. The other thing you said about the image of a dog with his nose in the fence, I literally posted that on LinkedIn last week because I think that really does illustrate for people that you are just looking in, assessing, seeing what's there. Because even the way that we ask questions on a board is different to how we ask questions as an executive. You know, an executive might ask, when will this be done? Who's doing it? You know, Where's Bob? What's he done? Whereas the board can't ask questions like that because that's intimidating and it breaks the trust. And so even the way that we pose those questions, once we see what's going on, is, is very, very different. There was so much there. I could unpack it for hours. There's lots and lots of great ideas there that people really need to think about. So people watching this series right now, they're looking for their first board role or maybe even just considering board work, not even making the leap yet, what advice would you have for them? I think I'd just start talking to people. I mean, at the local football club, at the, you know, at the gym, and just, you know, are you on any boards? Well, how's it work at your organisation? Just start to, it's a bit like looking for any new job, you know. You put your seek search in that says, 
Well, at the moment, one of my children's just finished his degree. So we've got graduate chemist, graduate lawyer. You, you know how it works. And we just watch what passes yeah. and start to read some of the PDs and get your feel for the kind of roles that are out there. And after a while, I think you start to say, oh, God, it can be any worse than that. Or, oh, that sounds interesting. And you, you start to form a view of what might attract you. I think you need to be realistic about your capacity. If you are in a busy executive role, then taking, you've got to do these early, you've got to do board roles properly. And to take on a role that you just, you know, there's six meetings a year, you miss three of them and you don't read the papers for the other three is pointless. It's pointless for the organisation and it does no good to your own brand. So you need to just think about how you might build towards things. I would also say that, you know, many people moving up the tree, by the time they're at the top of their executive career, by definition, they're pretty busy. So you will, if you leave work suddenly, you know, hit that cliff, you fall off and then you start the work. And as I said before, I think it's important to take what you can manage going through. But, and also to think about what interests you. You're supposed to, the point about this is you're probably going to do it as you come towards whatever retirement might be. I, I don't know what the definition of that is anymore. But you're supposed to do things you enjoy. So, I mean, if you, if you don't enjoy large infrastructure projects, don't, take, don't look for a position on board that's one yeah. of them. I mean, it's pretty obvious. Um, yeah. but, but look inside your own back garden is important. See what's out there. I read once that people get referrals mostly from people who are what this person called weak links. So you have very close links, your own family, your close friends and so on. But often the, the links don't come from inside that patch because they have a particular view of you. And I, I, you know, I'm sure a lot of my, I row as in boats, and a lot of those people don't have really a clue. We, we don't talk about work, so they don't know what I do. But the weaker links are the people you're associated with through your work or perhaps, you know, people like you. So the people who are on that, that's where the, yeah. the referrals can come from because they have that particular lens on what you do and have seen you in action and are happy to refer you. So it's interesting that you would have thought, you should ask all your close friends. But, I, you know, I love my brothers very much, but it's not going to be much point in asking them to refer me for boards. Yeah, that's right. That's very interesting because your, your close friends are your close friends because you are drawn on other things, on interests yeah. and proximity and yeah. things like that, not yeah. because you're, you're board role. That's a very interesting point. You're obviously very strong about brand. You've got a very strong brand for yourself. How does someone launching their board career brand themselves or what are some of the things they need to think about when they're trying to brand themselves? Mm. I think they need to uh, go over their last five performance appraisals and see what people said about them. I mean, you you have to be clear-eyed about this. What are you good at? What are you not? You know, if someone offered me the chair of an audit committee on an ASX, I would think, "Mm, I'm not sure that's in your girl. And and often, of course, your interests and what you're good at align. You, you know, you're really, um, you're really inter- fascinated by something you're no good at. So I think it's being clear-eyed about where your strengths are and where you can best add value and what you enjoy doing. So 
you know, if you're a very senior HR person in an organisation, you, you will love, by definition, cultural change, transformation, you know, so maybe that's the niche that you present, the lens that you present. Having said that, an insight that I like about brands is thinking of them as faces of a crystal. So I can do brand, I can do strategy, I can do operations, I'm quite good at that, but, but, but. depending on what the position is, I can turn the volume up on one of those or down. So sometimes I'm using more of the transformational skills and sometimes I'm using more of the brand skills, for example. And sometimes it depends on the life cycle of the business. I and mean, if the business is just starting out and there's no marketing plan, then clearly that's the lens, you know, the volume up on that part of those abilities. If it's well settled on all those issues, it might have come to a hiatus that means we need a transformation. So it's volume up on that part. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I think love, you yeah. have to understand yourself, but also understand where the nexus is with the organisation you're looking for and what value you can bring. I love that you say that because one of the things we teach is building your resume and there's not one resume fits all. And so many people Mm. write a board resume and then they go out with that one resume, sending Mm. it as far and wide as they can. Mm. Whereas what we teach is to pull your skills and expertise, almost like a a, a massive document. And then you you select and paste the skills that you need for this particular role. So yeah. same thing you're saying there, you, you've got to amplify those, those skills and expertise you have that match that role that you're applying for. So that's great advice. My last question, if I may have one more, is knockback. Knockback is, is quite difficult, isn't it? There's a lot of knockbacks when you apply for board roles. And I think when you go for an executive role, particularly if it's a senior role and you've been involved in a lengthy selection process, you do get feedback. You do find who got the role, why they got the role, why they were chosen. And you might not like that feedback, but it, mm. it's usually the reason that the board, the, the reason that the company took the decision. You don't get feedback when you get knocked back from board necessarily, no. do you? No, you don't. No, and it is tough. Particularly, I think, you know, if you've kind of thrown in a random application and you, you know, you're not particularly emotionally invested, it's not that tough. But if you've looked at this thing and thought, oh my God, that's me. You know, this is, I've been dreaming all my life about this and this, and it'll all go like this. And And then you don't even get, you know, an interview or a conversation about it. It is hard. I think, I'm sorry to say, you just have to learn to let that go. I mean, if, depending on the relationship, if it's been done through a recruiter or being done directly, you could seek feedback. But as you say, I think it's unlikely you'll get terribly much. So they'll say the normal thing, which is, well, there was someone better on the day, which of course was probably true. Otherwise they would have taken you. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, it's, it, it is tough. Maybe it's again important to be clear-eyed about learning from that. If you keep applying for jobs in the forestry industry, I'll make this up, and you never get one, then there might be something in your background that isn't lending you. I don't know. But so it does pay to have a little look at that and see what yes. you're learning from what your knockbacks are. Yeah. You, maybe you're applying too high. I mean, I a woman on I know said to me the other day, look, she she's had a very senior career, and she has, and she thought she'd like and um, you know be on an ASX 100 board, 
I just don't think people are going to start on an ASX 100 board. So, again, no. people have to get a view of what, you know, what it's really like out there and, you know, look at a few ASX directors and look at their careers. You'll see that they didn't go straight into there. They yeah. came up here. And so, yeah, just making sure your expectations are realistic, I think. Yeah, and sometimes we were talking earlier about associations and, and not-for-profit areas where yeah. you can volunteer. Yeah. Sometimes you can be overextended in the eyes of the board. Yeah. They can think that you're actually involved in too many different things and you yeah. haven't narrowed your focus enough. So Indeed. sometimes we think, oh, I need more experience. I'll be more, do more, have more. Yeah. But yeah. that yeah. actually yeah. goes yeah. against the grain. Robert, it's been absolutely wonderful hearing your story today and all of the advice that you've given. Thank you very much for joining us and sharing your insights. Thank you, Sally. It was quite exciting. I think I learned more about myself in having to think about it. So thank you. Well, board work is definitely a journey in self-awareness, if nothing else, isn't that? Indeed. <laughs> Thanks so much, Thanks. Robin. Take Bye. care. You've been listening to Insider Insights with Sally Parrish. Insider Insights is the place to meet non-executive directors and go inside their boardroom to learn from their experience. We hope you've discovered some great learnings today that you can apply to your board role. We look forward to your company on the next episode of Insider Insights.